You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. We are in our second week of a three-week series called A Generous Life. And the big theme, the main idea that Jeff and Robin and I want to bring across is this. A generous life reflects God's character. Every day through our words, through our actions, through our attitudes, we should reflect God's character because he is the God of generosity. He is the God of blessing and he is the God of trust. When people look at us, they should see God in us. Amen? Y'all awake this morning? First service wasn't awake when they weren't hanging with me. I know you guys can. You had that extra hour of sleep, okay, right? So when people look at us, they should see God in us. And that's really the concept that we want to convey through this series. But that image gets very skewed when we talk about our topic for the day, which is blessed. Hashtag blessed is a very popular phrase that gets used in conversations and on social media and in pop songs all the time. As you can see, it's even printed on t-shirts, it's printed on hats, you can even get a bumper sticker for your car that says hashtag blessed. It began originally, this phrase, on social media in 2011. And since then, it's taken the original meaning of blessed out of context, and it's simply used just to broadcast to the world and to show the world how lucky or how fortunate our lives are. And if you were to scroll through your social media page, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you're probably going to find multiple people posting a picture of their family or of their pets or of their house or of their date that they're about to go on. Just about anything tangible that they can celebrate, that they feel good about, with the caption, hashtag blessed. For example, when you get into that college you want to attend, what are you? Okay, let's try it again. When you get into that college you want to attend, what are you? Hashtag blessed. All right, we got it. We're going to do the hashtag this morning. Uh, When you get your tax refund back, what are you? When you drive that new car off the parking lot, what are you? Right, when your family shows up for an unexpected visit, what are you? Oh, y'all hesitated. All right. I would say you're hashtag blessed unless it's the in-laws. Then it might be hashtag cursed. I'm just kidding. That was a terrible joke. I love my in-laws. I love them. We have a great relationship. So what does it really mean to be blessed biblically? We know what the world says, but what does it biblically mean to be blessed? And if we are blessed, what are we supposed to do with our blessings? Those are the questions that we're going to answer this morning as we dive into God's word. And I want to share with you three blessing lessons from the Bible that if we were to put into practice would absolutely help us to reflect God's character. So if you're following along in your outline, get your pen, your your outline, jot this down. Blessing lesson number one is this. Our blessings come from above, not from within. They come from above, not within. You see, it's easier in our culture to associate blessing with having a successful life. Being blessed is basically the Christian version of living the good life. A loving marriage, outstanding kids, a healthy family, a successful job, a vibrant ministry, financial peace, trusted friends. We typically associate all of these things with being blessed. And I agree that these are one type of blessing. 
However, if we think that that's all blessings are, if they're just limited to those physical things that make us feel good, then it's very easy for us to become prideful and self-sufficient. It's easy for us to think that we have somehow earned or generated or created our blessings when the fact is we haven't. We don't create any of our own blessings. Our blessings come from above, not from within. They come from God. God told Abraham in Genesis 12 too, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Here the Hebrew word for bless is the word bara, bara, and it implies God benefiting us. He helps us. He aids us. It has very little to do with our own actions. Instead, it's what God does for us once we choose to be in a relationship with him. Abraham chose to be in a relationship with God. He chose to be faithful and obedient and follow wherever God led. And because of that, he received God's blessing as a result. Specifically, Abraham and all of God's chosen people, the Israelites, they received territory. They received prosperity. And once they were faithful to God, they received victory over their enemies as signs of God's favor. And we know what happened if they didn't, right? They were the ones that were captured and tortured and imprisoned. But when they were being faithful to God, he was blessing them with territory and prosperity and victory. Now that was God's plan to bless his people in the Old Testament. I want to emphasize Old Testament. However, when Jesus came, everything changed. Jesus shifted the focus of blessing from an earthly perspective, from the here and now, the physical health and wealth, this idea that the Pharisees just kind of took and held over people's heads. Jesus shifted blessing from an earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective, which are present and future blessings in Christ. Paul teaches this in Ephesians 1.3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, where? In the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see, our blessings don't come from us. They come from above, from God. Specifically, they come through the person of Jesus. This also explains how we can be blessed even in trials which really doesn't make sense. It's kind of an oxymoron, how we can be blessed in trials. But Jesus teaches about this, and he camps out on this idea in Matthew chapter 5 when he's going through the Beatitudes. Here's a few that he says. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm being honest, I don't want to wear the blessed shirt or the blessed hat when I'm going through some difficult circumstances. When I'm being made fun of for my faith, when I'm in a trial or a tribulation, when my faith is being tested I don't want to wake up and put the blessed shirt on because that is not how I feel at the moment. Nothing about those circumstances feel lucky or feel fortunate as the world would say. But here's the truth. 
To be blessed is not a feeling or an emotion. It is a state of being because of our relationship in Christ. And this is huge. This is a big mental shift that I want to challenge all of us to adopt. To be blessed is not a feeling. It is not based on an emotion. It is a state of being because of our relationship in Christ. So if we are in Christ, then we are blessed regardless of our circumstances. If we are in Christ, we are blessed regardless of how much money we have or don't have, regardless of how many friends we have or don't have, regardless of how we're treated kindly or unfairly. Why is that? Because we've already received forgiveness of sins. We've already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've already received assurance of heaven and a future there with God if we are in Christ. So remember that our blessings, they come from above, not within. We do not generate our own blessings. We also have to remember that blessings, they're not just physical. They're not just monetary in nature. They are very spiritual as well. So when God blesses us, what are we supposed to do with those blessings? That leads us to the second blessing lesson is this. God blesses us so that we can bless others. So that we can bless others. Paul wrote these words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.18. He said, command them. Who's the them he's talking about? He's talking about the Christians that he's discipling. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. I want you to underline willing to share. There are a lot of people who do good deeds. Even people who are far from Christ understand the general concept that we should be kind. We should treat others the way that we want to be treated. You don't have to be a Christian to acknowledge that. But for the Christian, it is not something we should do if we feel like it. It's something we are commanded to do because God has already blessed us. In other words, I would put it this way. Don't keep God's blessings to yourself. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't keep God's blessing to yourself. Go. All right, look at your other neighbor and tell them because that wasn't convincing enough. Don't keep God's blessing to yourself. I guess that's funny. I don't know. I, it's serious too, funny and serious, right? Don't keep God's blessing to yourself. As we just talked about, we all have been blessed because of Christ that spiritual blessing that we have, the forgiveness of sins, that should be the number one priority for us to go and share, be willing to share with others that good news. That's one way that we can be generous to others. That's why we keep telling you and encouraging you and doing this with you, the ping pong ball challenge, the fish tank. We want to go and tell everybody about our life-saving relationship with Jesus. As a believer in Christ, that is our number one goal, our number one priority is to go and tell the good news. So now let's shift then from that spiritual to the physical. What are we supposed to do with our physical blessings? The fact is we've all been given the same amount of time every single day, which is how long? 24 hours. Every single person, regardless of who you are, has 24 hours that we can use to bless others with. While we've all got the same amount of time, each of us have been given different talents, and also different treasures or resources that we can use to be a blessing. So I want to just encourage you to reevaluate what your time, your talents, and your treasures are and how you can use those things to be a blessing to someone else. 
If you've got some spare time, maybe consider volunteering at one of the local nonprofits that we have in town. Or maybe you could mentor as a big brother or a big sister. I know that some in here, they take their time and they teach a Bible club at local middle schools. Or how about volunteering to read at the local elementary schools? Bree and I walked in to pick up our kids a few minutes early um, last week. And when we walked in, the receptionist looked at us and said, are you here to read? I said, no, I'm here to get my kids. Do you need somebody to read? She's like, yes, we always are looking for volunteers to read to the kindergarten and first graders. And it's such an easy thing to do. It, all it takes is our time to do it. So even if you only have an hour a week, consider using that hour to help someone else in need. Next, consider your different talents. What skills or abilities has God given you specifically and how can you use those to be a blessing to someone else? One of the examples that I think of is a group of ladies that live here in uh, the senior center at Wadsworth. And they spend hours and hours and hours crocheting together plastic bags to make these sleeping mats for the homeless. I don't know if you've ever seen these before, but these are amazing. All right, So this is about a six foot by three foot sleeping mat that takes about 4,000 plastic bags to create. And that doesn't even count this cool little tote that they made as well to put the bag in. So a bunch of these women, they spend their spare time and their crocheting gifts, which I do not have, they use this to make bags for the homeless. Uh, the way I came across it, a lady just kind of randomly walked into the office about a year ago and uh, she was looking for a pastor. I was available, so I talked to her. She brought me the bag, and she said, hey, we've been making these. A group of ladies have been making these. We've been giving them to somewhere else. They haven't really been using them like they told us they would. If we bring them to you, can you put them to good use? I said, of course I can. And so now every month I get one or two of these in my office, and I in turn turn around and deliver those to Oasis of Hope in Medina because one of the key volunteers at Oasis of Hope in her spare time, her and her husband also lead a homeless ministry out of their van, and they drive around Medina in their van. They take food, they take clothes, and they're now taking these homeless bags and giving them to the people in need. I just think that is such a unique and creative way to reflect God's character. Lastly, think about how you can be a blessing to others with your treasures, your resources, on a few occasions, I've received text or a call from members of the congregation, and they said, hey, Eric, you know, God has really blessed us financially. God has blessed us with our business or whatever, this investment that we made, and we want to give above and beyond our regular offerings and tithes to the church. I'm like, sweet, that's a good phone call to get, right? So I'll then talk to them about what are some ways that uh, they could use that and they could give. And they're always more than willing to give out of the excess that God has blessed them with. Last fall when we hosted a one-day marriage conference, we just had a night here. Uh, about 70 people showed up. But I had an older lady come to the office when we were promoting that. And she handed me $100. And she said, Eric, I want you to use this $100 and pay for as many couples as you can that might need financial assistance or you know who needs some marital help. She said, because what I've learned in my many years of marriage is that you cannot put a price tag on a healthy marriage. And that stuck with me. I love that. And before she left, she said, if you run out of that money, if you run out of the $100, 
call me and I will gladly come back and donate some more so that every couple that wants to can attend this marriage conference. That type of attitude is a proper reflection of God's character. So here's the point. God doesn't bless us so that we can feel good about ourselves, so that we can be happy or comfortable. He doesn't bless us so that we can just stockpile our resources. He blesses us so that you and I can be a blessing to others. Read this verse with me. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says, And do not forget to do good God is pleased when we share and bless others. So here's the third blessing lesson. When we bless others, God blesses us in return. And it kind of makes a full circle, right? Our blessings come from above, not from within. God blesses us so that we can bless others. When we bless others, God blesses us in return. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And what Jesus wants us to understand here is that our blessings, our finances, specifically our money, is not ours. It's all his to begin with. We are his money managers, not his money owners. This is the principle of ownership. And Moses teaches this in Deuteronomy 8.18. I love it. He says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Think about that. It is God who gives you the ability and me the ability to produce wealth. We don't generate it on our own. King David prayed this prayer as he was dedicating the temple. He said in 1 Chronicles 29, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Every day God entrusts us with time, talents, and treasures, and he expects us to use those things wisely and to manage them well. But that choice is up to us. He doesn't dictate what we have to do with it. He gives us the opportunity. So if we recognize that he is the God of blessing, if we remain faithful to God in this area of finances, he will continue being faithful and generous back to us. I'm reminded of some friends of mine and Bree's in North Carolina named Josh and Larissa. This young couple had only been putting cash in the plate on Sunday mornings, just $20 one week, maybe $30 the next week. They were not giving intentionally at all. They were very, very young in their faith. They only gave when they felt like it or when they had some extra cash to throw in the plate. And they were taking a class that I was teaching, and I shared in that class, we were talking about giving, but I shared just a personal testimony of how Bree and I had increased our giving and why we had done that. And they told me after class that it inspired them and it's caused them to really think about their offerings and their tithes. So they went home and they re-examined their budget and they decided to intentionally start giving to God because they understood that if they wanted to grow in their faith, they needed to give more. So they jumped all the way from 1% 
to 10% of their income, giving it to the local church. And that's actually what a biblical tithe is. It is giving 10% of your income to the local church. And offering is anything above and beyond that tithe. I know we use that terminology together, but I just want to explain what the difference is between the two, a tithe and an offering. So they jumped all the way from 1% to 10%, from being occasional tippers to weekly tithers. And the very first Monday, the day after they gave their first tithe, Josh got called into his boss's office. He was a police officer. And he was told that because of his excellent evaluations over the last six months, he would be receiving a 5% pay raise, which is phenomenal. Like that's kind of mind-blowing, but it gets even better. Then his boss, the, the high up, said, look, the next person in line above you just resigned. And because of your excellent work ethic, because of your uh, long-term history here, we're going to not only give you this 5% pay raise, but we're going to promote you to the next level. And with that comes an additional 6% pay raise. So because Josh and Larissa decided to increase their giving by 9%, God in turn gave them 11%. And I cannot make this up. Honest to God, that is a true story. So he could not wait to get to church that next Sunday and tell me about it. He was beaming from ear to ear and was blown away about how God moved in their life. When we are generous with what God has already blessed us with, he is faithful in return. But hear me very clearly here. I don't want to be misunderstood. I will not stand up here and tell you that it's going to happen exactly like that for you. I'm not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. I preach what God teaches and his principles in the Bible. So understand, it doesn't always happen that way. But what I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt is this. If you give generously to what God has already blessed you with, what's already his, he is not going to neglect the necessities you need. If you give to God what's already his generously, he's not going to neglect the necessities you need. There were times early on in our marriage when the kids, all three of them were in diapers, two, three, and four years old. They were all in diapers, and we had absolutely no money in savings. We had very little, almost zero funds to spend weekly on a date night or to do anything. In fact, I would drive 45 minutes down to Charlotte, to the heart of the city, and I would spend three hours donating my plasma just to get 50 bucks so we could have some extra money to spend. I know that's, that's crazy. You donate blood for free, but you donate plasma and you get paid for that. So I heard about it from someone else, and I would take the time and go do that because that's how tight we were. But here's what I learned. All the bills were covered. We had a roof over our head. We each had a car to drive. We had a bed to sleep on. We had clothes to wear. We had food to eat. And we were still able to tithe. God did not neglect us in the lean years because we did not neglect him. It would have been very easy for us just to cut our tithe in half. Instead of giving 10%, we could have dropped to five and had extra money. Could have dropped it all the way down to nothing. That's the easy thing to do, but that's not the right thing to do. God provided everything we needed during that time because we remained faithful to him. Now, I didn't get everything I wanted, right? I wanted a newer car and I wanted a bigger TV. I wanted all this stuff, but I didn't need that. God gave me everything that we needed, not all that we wanted. 
So if this giving concept is new to you about blessing God, what's already his, then I just want to take a moment to explain what the Bible teaches about this. Solomon says in Proverbs 3.9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. What does that mean? Well, I'm a firm believer that in the Old Testament, the standard of giving was 10%. Time and time again, we see God command his people, the Israelites, to give 10% of everything that they had. And the Pharisees did this, uh, and they gloated about it. They did it braggadociously, and they wanted everybody to know, oh, look, here's what I'm giving. Right? They did it with the wrong heart and mind. But the standard was 10% in the Old Testament. However, nowhere in the New Testament does it say you must give this amount, this percentage, back to God. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees in Mark 12, 17, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now let's think about that for a moment. How much is God's? We talked about it. What is it? All of it, right? 100% is God's. Everything comes from his hand. It's all his. So what does that mean for us? For the Christian living in 2020, here it is. In my opinion, I would say that the Old Testament standard of giving 10% is where the New Testament believer should start giving today. The Old Testament standard of 10% should be where you and I as believers in Christ start giving today. Tithing, giving that 10% of your income to the local church, not only advances the gospel, but it grows you spiritually and it advances the kingdom here. Because the more you give, the more you grow. I have learned that personally. And here's the deal. When God asks us to give, it's not because he needs our money. God doesn't need anything. God asks us to give so that he can begin reshaping our hearts. That's his ultimate goal. When you give of your time, of your talents, of your treasures to those you love, to people in need, it doesn't change them as much as it changes you on the inside. This is one of the principles that's taught in Financial Peace University. And you heard Robin last Sunday announce this class. I want to remind you again. It's a nine-week course taught via video by Dave Ramsey and his team of financial experts. Through those videos and online tools, you'll learn about some group accountability. You'll learn about how to create and stick to a budget, how to save for emergencies, how to get out of debt, how to plan for the future. I've gone through the course. It is an excellent resource if you've never used it. And we're offering this on Sunday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. beginning March 22nd right here at the Wadsworth campus. So Jason and Melissa Canada, they were in last service. They've gone through it. They've taught it numerous times. They're going to be teaching it again. So if you are interested in taking that, see me after service or you can talk to Jason and Melissa as well. You know, something I've learned, I've heard it my entire life, I've learned it firsthand is this. You cannot outgive God. Say it with me. You cannot outgive God. When he sees that someone is giving freely out of love and of, out of joy, it makes his heart skip a beat. But when God sees us cling to what we think we need, cling to what we believe is ours, what we deserve, it breaks his heart. I love what pastor and author Mark Batterson says. He says, when God blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living Raise your standard of giving. Don't raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of giving. And a challenge that I want to ask you to consider, and 
I'm considering it as well, is to stretch our giving. Maybe you're financially strapped right now and only, you're only giving 5% of your income. Money's tight and you know down to the very dollar what you need for groceries and bills and for rent and for all of this stuff. There's absolutely no wiggle room. So 5% is all that you can do right now. Or is it? A stretch gift would be doing what doesn't make sense and giving beyond your ability. There's actually a biblical precedence for this. Paul tells, uh, speaks to this in 2 Corinthians 8.3. The Macedonian Christians, the believers there, gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And that's the definition of a stretch gift, giving beyond your ability. So maybe right now you're just giving 5% or maybe you're just giving 1%. Stretch that. You don't have to jump all the way up to 10%. Maybe you can't do that, but maybe you can go up by 1% or 2%. I just want to encourage you to reevaluate where you are financially with your spouse or if you're single by yourself and start right now increasing just a little bit. Stretch your giving. If you're already giving 10% or maybe more, the challenge for you is this. Don't get comfortable with that. Don't be uh, all right, I'm already doing what the pastor said. I don't have to give anymore. No, think about how you can give a stretch gift as well. All of us, me included, have room for growth in this area. So what would happen if we were to put all these principles into practice? What would happen if we rearranged our priorities, if we had a heart check, and if we really lived as if everything were God's? The result is ultimately peace. And it's God's blessing. The more we bless other people by helping and giving to them, by serving and sharing with them, the more God blesses us, the more we grow spiritually, the more the kingdom advances. King David had this in mind when he wrote Psalm 112, and I'll close with this. Goodwill come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. And Solomon added in Proverbs 22, the generous will find themselves blessed. For they share their food with the poor. Blessing others according to what we've been given sometimes requires our finances, our money. We've talked about all that. Tithing to the church. Maybe scholarshiping a kid to go to summer camp. Maybe you sponsor a child overseas. There's all different ways that we can give to local churches and nonprofits and charities. However, God has given all of us different talents and abilities and our time that we can give that do not cost us a dime. We can volunteer. We can be kind to someone who's not kind to us. We can share our testimonies because that's the number one priority as our believer in Jesus. We can pray for others. We can listen to others who are in need and be a shoulder to cry on and just be a good brother or a sister in Christ, to be a good friend. The bottom line is this. If we want to reflect God's character, then we must choose to live a generous life because God is the God of blessing. And whether you admit it or not, whether you recognize it or not, whether you've accepted this truth or not, every single one of us has been hashtag blessed. We've been blessed if we are alive on this earth because all of us have an opportunity to be in a relationship with God the Father, the provider, the sustainer, the protector. We have been blessed through Jesus 
And maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I know we've been talking about generosity and tithes and offerings a lot, but it all boils down to this. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then you are missing out on the most important blessing ever, which is an eternity in heaven with him. So if you need to make that decision, I want to encourage you to do that now. Or maybe you've already made that decision, you're a Christian, and you've been going through just a storm, a long storm that won't seem to let up, and you're struggling to find the joy in it. I'd love to pray for you just to be an encouragement to listen to whatever you need to share. So whatever decision you have, if you would come now, I'd love to talk to you as we stand and as we sing this invitation song. Please stand with me.